0: Going into space, and we're gonna learn about space.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you like the song I just wrote? It's very good. I love That's it. That's A theme song. No, no more people.
1: Hello, my friends and welcome to no normal people I'm your host Stephen Henning
0: and I am your host Dixie Lee Henning whoa, 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 whoa.
1: Dixie Lee Henning the remix apparently <laughs>
0: <laughs> you yeah, always like
1: to draw that out don't you yeah it feels really I'm, good to say that you're I'm a host special I well I tend to agree with you
0: my mom says I'm special
1: so does your husband. <laughs> hey, welcome to Know Normal People. This is a podcast where we prove that the more you get to know the normal people in your life, you discover that there really are no normal people in your life. Thank you so much for listening to our show this far and listening to the normal people in our lives. Yeah. Now, go ahead and ask some of these same questions other people you run into at a coffee shop. Or your that, mom. Or your mom. Or, or your siblings. Or your grandma. Some of these people. Ask them cool questions
0: the grocer the bagger at a grocery store oh
1: my gosh i had such a good conversation with your grandma about growing tomatoes for
0: real my grandma is a gem she of a has human.
1: she has a green thumb when it comes to gardening she doesn't
0: have a green thumb she has a green, she has a green body
1: arm body she is mother nature She can make anything grow grow out of anything. She could
0: think of a random thing and it will just be growing in her garden.
1: (laughs) She had a tulip growing out of the crack in her driveway when we went over today. That was crazy.
0: (laughs) My grandma is Mother Nature.
1: (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. She
0: could grow literally anything.
1: Speaking of growing, our podcast... You can go get a free sticker if you fill out a survey.
0: I was really confused where you were going with that. Was that not
1: a good transition? I don't know. I want to talk about the free stickers. Okay. We have 30 <laughs> submissions so far. I've ordered 100 stickers. So 70 of these stickers would like to go to someone for free. For free. And I want to give them to you for the short cost of maybe four or five minutes filling out a quick Google form survey that I designed.
0: It took me like a minute.
1: About our show. It took you a minute? Yeah. Oh, that's even better. So 60 seconds and you get a free sticker and a note from yours truly in the mail saying thank you so much.
0: Yeah, I'm not yours truly. I'm sorry. That's just so much work. You're
1: afraid of the handwriting. I well carpal tunnel. No, it's just
0: we didn't write thank you notes for our wedding.
1: Oh, you know, like that's true.
0: That's not that's not my. uh that's not my zone. <laughs> I'm
1: ready to turn our track record around, though. Okay, You so get on
0: that. You get on that and I, turn our track record I around. I will
1: get on that because the first 30 submissions, their stickers are going into the mail this week. Yeah. I am sitting down. I'm going to write those out, get those stickers in the mail. So if you already have filled out our survey, be checking your mailbox. If not... What are you doing? What are you even doing? Go get a free piece of paper with artwork that Dixie made.
0: You could literally fill out this thing while you're listening to the podcast.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so true. Go to the show notes right now.
0: If you're listening to this, just go to the show notes and then also fill this out.
1: And click the button that says short survey. Yeah, it says short survey. In the show notes, like right now.
0: In the show notes.
1: You could be filling out that survey while I'm talking about how much I love space movies. Dixie, you know this about me. Yep, I have been into space movies my entire life. I grew up watching Apollo 13. Yeah, obviously Star Wars. Though I'm not necessarily trying to. I'm not trying to equate them. (laughs) But I did grow up liking space. That
0: is not space movies. Apollo 13
1: (laughs) was fantastic. Star Wars. As we get older, (laughs) as I get older, I get movies like Interstellar and The Martian and First Man. It's just so good. I love space. It's like... Agree to you know, disagree. You know the whole like final yeah. frontier thing? Yeah. It's not Alaska, it turns out. It's the space.
0: <laughs> it's the space. It's the stuff outside our You know what solar I system. think is funny? What? And I'm, I'm not a person that's about to go study this, but mm. we know more about space than we do about the ocean.
1: Kind of creepy, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it's real creepy Mm -hmm. considering that's on the planet that we live on. Yeah, you Um, want to
1: talk about aliens? Let's talk about the things that grow at the bottom. Nope,
0: we don't have to. That's fine. All I'm saying is, (laughs) I don't like ocean movies and I'm not particularly a fan of space movies. Well, not like Star Wars. That's not a space movie. mm. (laughs) I'm talking about Interstellar and the Martian.
1: Okay, I can fight you on the Star Wars. I'm sorry.
0: I don't think Star Wars is a it takes place in space, yep. but it's not about space.
1: Mm, that's true. If we really wanted to nitpick the science of Star Wars.
0: Yeah, Mediclorians? What the heck is that?
1: That's a completely Bull separate, Let's snitch. Let's talk about <laughs> Let's talk about the concept of gravity. Yeah. Weird.
0: Let's talk about apparently the just, common language that everybody knows on every single planet.
1: Or how every being ever in Star Wars <laughs> can go to any planet ever and, and breathe that atmosphere in
0: that atmosphere
1: without any aid.
0: Bull snitch. That's all I'm saying. Can you stop
1: saying that? I don't Bull love snitch. the way that sounds. It's
0: not the other one. I just don't love it. It's not. It's fine.
1: <sighs> Space movies
0: Suck. You're right. Rude. And you disagree
1: <laughs> with our
0: I'm just kidding. This week. I'm just so kidding. Rude. That I'm just not a person that likes space. Okay. You know?
1: Well, it's a good thing that I got to sit down and interview <laughs> yeah. my friend Ayla. Yeah. Who's living in Virginia right now. Yeah. Very close to Washington, DC. Yes. Working for a company who works on satellites. She for, writes code for satellites. For real. She's so cool. She has been a NASA intern. She is a JPL SSA which we'll get into she had yeah,
0: no big dump she just you know was an intern for nasa
1: <laughs> she's part of the brooke owens fellowship she's been all over the place man hey it's guys ridiculous
0: she's also from montana
1: she's from laurel montana she's turns from out
0: laurel montana so
1: check your contacts check your rolodex you guys, and look for people like ayla because yeah whoa you
0: all know somebody that's just as awesome as ayla is
1: absolutely and I think that we should stop hyping her up and just let her speak just for herself. Dump it. You ready?
0: Jump on it. Here we go. Shoot it out.
1: To the interview to the with space. Ayla Grand Prix.
0: Blast off. To infinity.
1: All systems no, running.
0: No, you're supposed to say and beyond.
1: Five. No. Four.
0: To infinity. Three.
1: Two. One. To
0: infinity. And beyond. <laughs>
1: Rapid-fire questions. Either or. Don't feel like you need to think too hard. Here we go. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Rain or sun? Sun. Tea or coffee? Tea. Early morning or late night? Late night. Summer or winter?
2: A dry summer.
1: Beaches or mountains? Mountains. Libraries or museums?
2: Museums.
1: Cats or dogs? Cats pancakes or waffles waffles sunrise or sunset sunset east coast or west coast
2: west coast i think
1: (laughs) sweet or savory savory soda or pop soda pop (laughs) hogwarts or the shire the shire pizza or tacos
2: taco pizza
1: books or movies (sighs) movies sweater or hoodie hoodie handshakes or hugs hugs Introvert or extrovert?
2: I think I need both in my life.
1: Phone calls or texts? Phone calls. That was the end of the rapid fire. Now you can relax. Into the icebreaker questions. What is your favorite candy? Wix. Favorite snack?
2: Yogurt-covered pretzels.
1: What is your favorite morning drink?
2: Earl Grey tea with honey and cream.
1: What is your favorite city?
2: Oh, favorite city. So I'm definitely a rural girl. So I when I travel... I like to see like the sides of towns and things like that. But as for my favorite city, I think it would have to be Vancouver. It just kind of has everything. (laughs) That is
1: a fantastic choice. What is your favorite smell?
2: I think like a damp coniferous
1: forest. What's your favorite TV show?
2: I think currently it's Adventure Time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Okay, uh, favorite ice cream flavor?
2: Mint chocolate chip. I'm one of those. <laughs> nice.
1: Do you like it when the ice cream is that like fake green color or if it's like pure mint in white cream?
2: Ooh, definitely has to be fake green. If it's yes. not fake green, like is it even mint?
1: <laughs> I totally agree. What are foods you will never eat?
2: So honestly, I think I will eat anything. I. Wow. love any and all foods. And I am just super adventurous. I like ate weird bugs when I was in Asia and just strange Whoa. things growing up. Like I've eaten brains and raccoon and all that stuff. So lay it on me. I'll eat it.
1: <laughs> you, you were never a picky eater. Nope. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. Who is the smartest person you know?
2: Sounds good. Like part of me just wants to go like classic and be like, oh, I think my dad is you know, cause he questions everything and he always is, you know, open-minded and can pull from like both sides and then make his own conclusions. And hmm. I think I've just learned so much from that. So I kind of just want to say my dad. <laughs>
1: That's excellent. Do you have a secret talent?
2: I can wiggle my eyes, like shake them, like zigga zigga zigga. Oh yes.
1: I've seen this once before from someone and <laughs> it's frightening. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first job?
2: was either waitressing or as like a daycare before and after school person.
1: What was your first pet?
2: My first pet was a gerbil and his name was Jerby. And I a good name. loved to like play with him and hold him and stuff. And then one time he bit me and I bled everywhere. And oh. then after that, like I never held him again. Oh, <laughs> i was so sad. <laughs> poor, poor little Jerby. Poor Jerby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: do you have a historical hero
2: gosh i feel like i'm so so last night i watched uh cleopatra and so now i'm just like just constantly thinking about cleopatra (laughs) i don't know if that's um
1: i'll take it she was ba
2: yeah she cleopatra was just really cool like in her time being a woman She was just able to really kind of like figure all that out and just dominate kind of going into, you know, like a man's world sort of a thing. So like you said, she's pretty BA.
1: (laughs) Perfect. Have you ever met a celebrity?
2: Yes. I met Carly Kloss, who is a supermodel and has walked on the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Whoa. Yeah. It was awesome. So I am just a huge fan of her because she does this thing called Coding with Klossy and it's all over the United States and she just likes coding as a hobby. And so she set up different kind of camps for girls to attend to learn coding. And so I just absolutely love her and that platform. And she's also just Drop dead gorgeous. And when I was interning at Kennedy Space Center in Florida.
1: Okay. Just name drop that was
2: there. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So she was just there touring. And I was walking around and I was like, oh my gosh, is that who I think it was? And I was just absolutely petrified. And she like looked at me and smiled. And I was like, What? And then I was like, okay, I gotta get closer. I gotta tell her that I like love her. Like, oh my goodness. So I kind of stalked her through the, the halls of um we were going through the astronaut crew quarters. Okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, like she's just on a tour. This poor gal thinks I'm like hunting her sort of a thing. <laughs> oh no. And so I just waited patiently outside of a room with a couple other interns there. And um she like acknowledged, you know, us and then she came out there and we had a conversation and took some pictures and it was crazy. It was awesome.
1: That's so good. Let's finish these icebreakers out if you could have one superpower what would it be
2: oh if it can't be invisibility i would choose rapid healing
1: Uh, both of those are acceptable answers what would you consider your proudest achievement
2: okay so i think my proudest achievement or achievements plural is solo traveling um which kind of happens at different you know different stages and this happened multiple times but oh yeah just kind of getting the self-confidence And building that up just to go someplace by yourself, you know, without kind of having a backup plan and just Mm. figuring it out when you get there. I think there's just a big sense of like fullness and peace and just kind of like self-confidence that can kind of carry you forward. And so solo trips are kind of an accomplishment for me just in character building.
1: So cool. That's a great answer. What would you eat for your last meal?
2: So for my last meal, I would probably choose... Thai food,
1: any, and all Thai, Thai food. Food. any and all Thai food,
2: any and all type food. just give me a huge sampler plate. Yep.
1: Okay. <laughs> awesome. Okay, and finally, what did you want to be when you grew up?
2: So, from my youngest memory, when I wanted to grow up, I really wanted to be an Egyptologist because I always thought it'd be okay. so cool to be like Tomb Raider and go into like the pyramids and be like, look at this sarcophagus, like whoa! So
1: wow.
2: Yeah.
1: That's good. (laughs) I like that that a lot. Yeah, that was
2: kind of an obsession. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. Ayla Grand Prix, thank you so much for being on No Normal People.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: (laughs) I'm very excited for this. I've followed your journey over Instagram and Twitter for a little bit now, and I am just endlessly fascinated with what you've crafted for yourself as a life. So (laughs) thank you. (laughs) I want to get started first by getting introduced to you a little bit. Let's talk about where you grew up, what your family life was like growing up and where you went to high school.
2: Awesome. So I grew up in Laurel, Montana. So truly blessed to have grown up in Montana, just with, I feel like just amazing people, amazing surroundings like you and Dixie. (laughs) Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And also because Montana just has an amazing night sky. And I think that's what Mm. mostly has inspired me for forever. So,
1: (laughs) okay. So you grew up in Laurel. Yeah. You and I went to the same church. We attended the same youth group. Uh, eventually we were going to high school together.
2: Yep. Exactly. Laurel high school, go locomotives. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. (laughs) And do you have any siblings?
2: Nope. I am an only child. I was a late decision (laughs) for my parents. And so, (laughs) yep, (laughs) the biological clock ran out shortly after me. So
1: (laughs) I see how that works.
2: Yep. (laughs)
1: Okay. After high school, where did you go to college and what did you study?
2: So after high school, I went to university or college at Rocky Mountain College. And to be honest, I wasn't really even sure I was going to go to college just because of the Financial aspect, um, but mm, after okay. juggling some things around and crunching numbers, decided on Rocky and I went there. I started going into the computer science department, and to be honest, it wasn't my favorite. And I really liked science and science technology, engineering, mathematics, so STEM. Um, mm-hmm. So I added on chemistry as an additional major. And because of that, I had so many overlaps that it was just a few additional classes to get minors in math and physics. And then by that time, I had so many classes that I was qualified for a double bachelor's degree there. So she went. Okay, so you graduated with a
1: double bachelor's in computer science, chemistry with minors in mathematics and physics. Yep.
2: (laughs) Got them all. (laughs) Good
1: work. And that was all four years.
2: Yes, that was four years. Well, so it's kind of complicated. I graduated in 2018. And I call it like half graduating because I was finished with completely finished with my two bachelors and one minor. And then I stayed an extra year, I stayed enrolled to finish up, I had one more class for my math minor. And so I was like, okay, I've got to do that. And I really wanted to study abroad which was kind of a last minute decision. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I was like, Oh, I really want to travel after college. And I was just like looking at finances and whatnot. And the best way to travel. Well, i found for myself to travel abroad was that was like safe financially, you know, feasible, all that good stuff Mm -hmm. was to actually study abroad.
1: I see. Okay.
2: Yeah, like Asia was always super cool to me. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'll go there. And it was like scary and exciting. And I wanted to learn Mandarin. And like, I love Asian cuisine. So I was like, what could be better?
1: (laughs) Gee, okay. So you went and studied abroad in Asia. And that was in?
2: 2019.
1: 2019. And what school did you attend? for that, was it a semester or was it a year?
2: It was six months, um, okay. so a semester there. Yeah. And it was Providence University or Jin Yi uh, University. That was in Taiwan in the town or the city of Taichung, Taiwan. Okay, And I feel so bad because I honestly didn't know that Taiwan was a country, let alone an island until <laughs> I got there basically. So oh, it was yes. it was kind of crazy such an amazing learning experience. And the culture is just so wonderful there. So I, that was just amazing for me.
1: (laughs) And, And it looks to me based on your Instagram that you took advantage of your semester in Taiwan to then travel all over the place in Asia. Like I was looking at your Instagram highlights and I was seeing Taiwan a couple times, Indonesia, the Philippines, Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong, Vietnam, and Thailand.
2: Yep. Correct. And that that
1: was all in the same trip?
2: Yes, that was. Yep. All within like six months. So sometimes I would spend like a long weekend in one place or sometimes like a week here and there and just like bouncing around. So yeah, that was absolutely so amazing. And every place is so different in Asia and the culture is different and Oh, it's just wonderful. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's so cool. So you grew up in Laurel. I think you mentioned to me already that your family was not very into travel themselves. So what yeah. what got you interested in visiting different places?
2: Yeah, just like you said, growing up not really doing that. I'm like, "Oh, there's got to be, you know, this world is so big and so vast. There's more out there than just Montana, which I love Montana and I hold it so dearly to my heart. But I'm like, oh, I got to get out there. I've got to, you know, kind of see the world. And I've just kind of made that a goal for myself, just to get out there and make experiences and visit God's beautiful creation.
1: That's so good. So among these Asian countries, were there any highlights or any favorite spots that you visited?
2: So a couple of good highlights. One was in Bali. We got the opportunity to hike a volcano, Mount Batur. And you left at like 2am and you're hiking this mountain in the dark. And then you just watch the sunrise. And that was one of the most amazing, magical things I think I've ever seen in my life. Because it's like the clouds and the fog are all below you. And then just here comes the sun, and it was just a surreal experience. And then just as that continued to rise, it, the clouds just kind of departed on the valleys and lakes below you. It was kind of like something, I would say, like an avatar, you know, how it's like the mountains floating in the clouds sort of a thing was amazing and then they gave us eggs that they had cooked inside of like the mountain hot pots and i was like oh this is cool too but they kind of tasted like dirt so oh (laughs) jeez. yeah (laughs) so another amazing experience was in the philippines there is just so much to do and there's so many islands i'm not sure you could visit all of the islands in the philippines so one was this kind of canyoneering trip where they took you um, like hard hats and life jackets and all. And then they took you like up and down crevices and just through where this water had carved out kind of, canyon areas on one of the islands and that was absolutely amazing and just got to like jump off of like cliffs into pools and it's just crystal clear water and also was able to swim with turtles which was really nice and like a natural experience and then on the other side of that there is um whale sharks which are just amazing majestic huge creatures and I didn't realize this until after I had signed up and paid money to go swim with them, but they feed them. So then they kind of become domesticated and reliant upon the feed that these people, you know, keep dumping into the water, which kind of ruins their migration and whatnot. So that was kind of like sad, but at the same time, just like a real amazing experience just because being in the water with something so huge, it's just like... Oh, that's, that's crazy. Your heart just kind of like drops and freezes and you're like, Oh my goodness, I'm glad they don't eat humans sort of things. But yeah, yeah, I, that was amazing.
1: That is actually one of my weirdest, uh, my weirdest phobias is incredibly large creatures living in the ocean. Like you see these yeah, like you see these pictures of people like in little rowboats and then there's a whale beneath them just under the surface of the water and Mm-hmm. I don't know something about I don't know the scale of humanity against something that gargantuan that's just chilling right under you just oh gives me uh, chills it freaks me out yeah
2: <laughs> i that's so funny because <laughs> it gives me chills too, but like in a good way oh like I so that's interesting how our minds kind of take that same experience and make it different yeah i' I'm, I'm certified scuba diver and so I've scuba dived um, in places as well and Whoa. I I really love that kind of weird enclosed, smaller than life feeling. I also love cave spelunking. I love that too. Just, I'm not claustrophobic at all, but just kind of realizing your, how small you are. And kind of in that perspective too, like thinking how small I am to these giant like whales and things like that. Think how much more smaller we are. In the grand scheme of like the universe too, like how big the sun is, or how big Jupiter is, even. And is it just yeah. kind of blows my mind to think about. And I just I think I love thinking about it so much. Yeah, we're just so teeny.
1: <laughs> wow. Okay, so you you're well studied in college, you're traveling even as part of college. This is where you studied abroad. In the rapid fire questions, you mentioned something about the huge night sky of Montana. And I want to get into everything space because that, that seems to be one of your major interests. So first I want to trace it back to when you started getting interested in studying space and getting involved in different, even rocket programs, all these things. So what, what inspired you to start getting involved in this arena?
2: So, like I said, like the Montana night sky is so absolutely amazing. And growing up, I always loved that. And I think I loved it because that was something my dad and I had in common. Way back when I was younger, me and my dad didn't have the best relationship. And so it was kind of always like pulling teeth to try and get us to hang out together or to like play nicely or whatnot. Mm, And but one thing we connected on was space in the night sky and i think we took like a community class through a local library about like astronomy and so that was just really amazing and holds a place dear in my heart and i remember seeing saturn through a telescope for the first time oh my gosh, just seeing that there, it was just blew my mind seeing its rings. I'm like, this is only something I've ever seen in like books before. Mm. That was just, wow, I am seeing this with my own eyes. And then, you know, just thinking about like the time delay. So it's like, whoa, because light takes so long to travel, you know, distances, I'm probably seeing this in the past. And like, whoa, that just like blew my mind. And I think, I just went down all these tunnels and then I was hooked.
1: Okay. Did you grow up on a lot of space movies too? I'm curious.
2: Oh, definitely. Grew up uh, when I was younger watching Star Trek with my dad. Um, I remember when I was a wee little baby. After bath time, I would always go and sit on the couch with my dad watching Star Trek and Star Wars, of course. And... 2001 A Space Odyssey, I remember yep. watching that with my mom Very and getting good. completely freaked out because she saw it in theaters <laughs> when it came out and she was like crying, bringing back all these memories. And I'm like, mom, it's just monkeys petting a rock. Like, what is this? Okay. Um, but I definitely grew up being immersed in like definitely a space, you know, kind of culture. And yeah. my parents were so awesome for being able to foster like an environment where I could just, learn and ask questions. And they really helped kind of teach me and guide me in the way of just digging into something and going at it full force.
1: Wow. That's so good. What, when did you start getting into NASA specifically? Because, you know, Star Trek and Star Wars are one thing, but once you, once you start learning about what actual human beings have done in space, I feel like it takes a turn for most people.
2: So in high school, I was involved with HUNCH, which stands for High School Students United with NASA to Create Hardware. So cool. Yeah, it was really such an awesome class to be offered at like a high school level. Because honestly, I had no idea like being like kind of small town Montana girl, which is not a space state. It's like how, even if I did want to pursue space as a career, how the heck would I do that? You know? Yeah, where do I even <laughs> start? right oh gosh so hunch was really awesome in instilling like a connection to nasa because it is a nasa education program so with that we were able to as students work as kind of like free contractors to create things and kind of develop ideas for nasa so like a marquee board or molds of valves to put on like space station mock-ups or goodness, just just a bunch of different little small random things. And then we were always able to go take a trip and then get awarded by NASA, like in person, like real NASA people like shaking your hand. Yeah. It's like, whoa. So that was just amazing. As a high schooler, it's like kind of like, oh, you you can do it. You know, you have all these tools at your fingertips, even as high schoolers and even younger than that. So that's kind of where a slight little seed got plopped into my mind. Like hey, you know, like space can become like an actual reality for you. Yeah. And then going into like college, I was involved with the Montana Space Grant Consortium. Just in case people don't really know what Space Grant Consortiums are, is it's another NASA education program. And each state has one. And that kind of helps... University systems and outreach and different just cool opportunities to kind of plug into the public and, you know, inform them and get them excited about space. And so I was involved with them as kind of like a presenter. Um, So I would go to different uh, high school and middle school and elementary school classes to present things about like space. And it's just awesome to see kids' faces light up. I, I love teaching and that sort of a thing. But then also through the Montana Space Grant Consortium, I had an internship at MSU Bozeman where we got to help create a small satellite. And so that was yes. really cool. And it's like, oh, all this amazing stuff is going on in montana right. like i didn't even know about this like there's solar physics research we have montana has an amazing astronaut um born and raised he went to billing senior high his name's lauren acton and he is like the coolest guy wow. ever i think he actually has an office at msu bozeman and there's so many cool things going on
1: yeah i had no idea this many avenues were available in montana
2: And honestly, that's kind of one of my lifelong goals is to really try to reach rural areas and not necessarily say like, oh, you have to, you should go into like the space industry and whatnot, but just to kind of be able to inform and say like, hey, there is all these opportunities out there. Like you don't have to, you know, stay like, oh man, I have nothing wrong. If you, you know, want to stay, you know, inherit the family ranch." Like I, oh my gosh, like. I have so much love in my heart for people who do that like that I that's an amazing their, oh their mm. strength and tenacity to go through like all the different seasons that's amazing. But <laughs> if if that's not something that they want to do there are so many more avenues for them to um, kind of dig into
1: and take them places so. That's so good. Okay, you're you're reminding me of you know any connection I have to rural area and Space kind of being married with you talking about this, the first thing that comes to my mind is the movie Interstellar. Oh, <laughs> and uh, I'm curious to know what you thought of that entire movie. If you want to so, give me give me a hot take or two from that film,
2: yeah. So I definitely enjoyed it. For example, I think other movies you can compare it to that are kind of in the realm of more science fact instead of science fiction. You can compare it to The Martian and possibly Gravity. I yeah. think interstellar was really good and i did enjoy it at the very end though it kind of gets a little (laughs) wishy-washy you know i mean it's to be given i mean like quantum mechanics and quantum physics and when you're comparing that with like general relativity like things go crazy right yeah so the end it was like a little questionable
1: what got my mind jogging into (laughs) interstellar was the the relationship between rural areas and the space program at the beginning, the main character is this ex pilot and he's raising a family on a farmhouse. He's doing all his good, like he's programming his combines to do the work for him while tending his fields of corn. And you know, you have the diverging paths of the son who literally just kind of inherits the farm, takes it over and runs it. And then the daughter going the other direction and she ends up being pretty much the hero of the story by the end. Yeah, I just, you got me thinking about that film, just with the relationship between the two and how that movie kind of embodies both sides of that story.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. Yeah, honestly, I really think growing up in Montana and seeing like the perseverance that people have, it's kind of like a harsh climate. We have winter for so many months out of the year. And the preparedness that has to happen for people who grow up on farms. It's Mm, like you're always thinking ahead. What's the next season? What's that going to come? They're very adaptable. So they can adapt from situation to situation. Like, oh, a hailstorm comes. What are you going to do with your crops? Different things like that. And then the ability to like also kind of like jerry-rig things together, you know, like, oh, crap. I blew like some line in my tractor in the field how am oh, i going to get this working so i can get the stuff done and i can get back home and so just that problem solving the tenacity the perseverance i think those are a lot of amazing characteristics that are instilled from a young age in very rural small town places like yep. in montana that could be so beneficial to you know long duration space missions so oh my goodness no we kidding. have a lot to give yeah <laughs>
1: plus that like that jerry rigging spirit I mean, you watch the movie Apollo 13 and you watch them have to fix part of the oxygen system using only these tools available, like tubes and tape and cardboard. Let's make sure that three dudes in the middle of space between the moon and the earth can survive another few days to get them home. That is what we're talking about when we're talking about deep down in the blood ranching life in Montana as well.
2: Yes, Yeah. Yep, that's, that's that is so, so good.
1: true. So let's go back to your your experience as you kind of uh, get involved in different aspects of space. I know that you were a part of a experiment through Rocky Mountain College. This was separate from the MSU Bozeman satellite project. You were involved in a project at Rocky that had some heartbreak surrounding the launch. I was wondering if you would tell that story.
2: Yeah, so it was such an amazing experience to be involved with a research group at Rocky. And we were developing, it was called auger, which stands for algal growth and remediation. So we were looking at how algae grows inside, inoculated in an auger. So instead of like auger, so we think of a petri dish. Auger is what you would put in there and grow like bacteria or algae or stuff on top of But what we actually did is when we were making this auger, put the algae inside of it. So that was kind of a unique aspect to our experiment. And then we wanted to monitor and see how that grew in zero gravity. And a lot of applications for that would be on the International Space Station, oxygen, you know, doesn't just come naturally. We have to send up oxygen and we have to send up filters, CO2 filters, to of course, scrub the CO2 out of the air So going forward on like long duration space missions, it's kind of hard, you know, are you gonna haul so much oxygen with you all the way there and for the time when you're on Mars and all this stuff. So um, looking at different ways to possibly produce oxygen is really important. So algae, which is a plant, um, of course, takes in co2 and then produces oxygen so that was kind of like our main application to our research like for example if we could grow this algae inoculated in auger on the international space station then it would scrub the co2 that the astronauts breathe out and produce fresh air for them wow that was kind of the thought yeah technically the algae in the auger would have been edible so if you think like The life cycle. Sometimes, you know, flowers bloom and then they die. Well, afterwards, we're like, hey, maybe they can eat it for food. So there was a lot of going on with that. (laughs) But yeah, we created this experiment and we built everything to take pictures with it and monitor it as it grew. We were so excited. We went down to Kennedy Space Center to watch it launch on SpaceX Seven, and we were thrilled. And we were out there and we watched it launch and. It was going into the sky and it was absolutely amazing and then we saw this little poof and we were like "Hmm, wonder what that is it was all of our first launch so we weren't quite sure and then we started to hear some murmurs and stuff and we all went back inside from the balcony we were standing on and they were like it didn't make it (laughs) we were like what oh my goodness it was it was really crazy um oh geez Ended up, yeah, I can't remember the specific reason why it ended up having to be aborted and then blown up over the o- ocean, but yeah, that's what was done. So that experiment is at the bottom of the ocean, but thankfully we got to relaunch again on SpaceX 8 and we all went down there again and got to watch it again. And it was such, such an amazing experience. Jeez. Oh, also, if we didn't have that first launch, that didn't make it that time we actually all met buzz aldrin which was so amazing <laughs> so just kind of like right so even though it blew up we got to meet buzz aldrin and that was really cool and then the second launch that went that actually made it for so spacex eight if we didn't have that second opportunity to go down there that was the first landing of spacex's reusable rocket on a barge so no that was the way. first time it had came back down and then landed on a barge no granted way. we didn't see that like in person but we saw it on the screen and we were like surrounded by a bunch of people there it was crazy like it launched we were like oh yeah that's great that everybody rushed back inside to like watch on the big screen the barge and t- just to see if it lands and everybody was so silent it was so crazy i'm getting goosebumps thinking about it right now and when it landed and they verified that it was still standing there, oh my gosh, it exploded with energy and everybody was jumping. And it was just like in the movies, someone threw paper and oh papers were falling word. everywhere and people were screaming and crying. And that was just, that was amazing. So kind of wow. cool that I was able to be there for both of those individual experiences. Yeah, yeah. like your experiment was
1: <laughs> was part of the payload of that historic moment for SpaceX.
2: Gosh. Definitely. Yep. <laughs> that's,
1: that's so wild. I remember when the videos started hitting Twitter after that first happened. And I remember just looking at it like, what can't humans do, man? What the heck?
2: <laughs> right. We, Oh my goodness. Just to think like over a hundred years ago, we were still exploring how to like fly even. So, Oh my gosh. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and 50 years ago, well, 50 to 60 years ago, we were first experimenting with launching dudes into space. Like, yes. Yeah. The, the, the history of this entire program is so young still and I love how quickly it's progressing and like, I agree. and yeah. that someone like you who grows up in middle of kind of nowhere, Montana, <laughs> gets to be a part of it is so cool.
2: Yeah, I definitely feel so blessed. Yeah, so blessed for the experiences I've had and then kind of just hopefully, you know, going forward, um, just want to continue on this trajectory.
1: Yeah, so... so I wanted to ask you about your experience with being on the ground miles away from a rocket launch.
2: So every time I've seen a rocket launch, which I've seen a pretty good amount now, it is so surreal and so amazing. You're just standing there, you know, you can just feel all the excitement in the air from people that are just standing around you. And it's just kind of like time stops. And then you know, the countdown happens and it's like the longest seconds of your life. And <laughs> it's just like, oh, just like moment by moment, like you can see the boosters start and just like fire come out of the bottom, and then slowly but surely. It's like, imagine if you're holding like a pencil out in front of you and then it slowly starts to rise off the ground and then it just gets going and going and slowly faster and faster and faster. And then you kind of like are able to see it arch back and it's just amazing, beautiful moments. And then finally, like the sound waves hit you and just like rumble you and you're like, wow, that's a lot of power. Like you're like thinking about it because it's so far away but it doesn't really hit you the amount of power that's being put into this until you feel those sound waves. And you're like, "Woo, that's crazy. And I think one of my favorite parts about a launch is in the day after it goes up in one of the stages, it'll leave behind little cloud things or whatever, uh, exhaust. And then when the sun hits it, in the sky, you can see the shadow going beyond it. And I think that is just so cool. That is um, trippy. One of my favorite parts about a launch. Yeah.
1: Whoa. <laughs> I, I want to witness a launch one day because I, I, I can just imagine that feeling you get in your chest through your feet when the yeah. sound waves start hitting you. like. I I can't even describe what I'm imagining, but... Yeah, like
2: on the 4th of July when those really loud rockets go off and they kind of like hit your chest and you're just like, wow. Right. It's it's awesome. Yeah.
1: Gosh. Thank you for listening to No Normal People this week. If you like what you're hearing, the best place to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or Facebook.com where you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two-sentence review.
0: You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at no people pod that's k-n-o-w people pod be sure to use our hashtags no people and hashtag k-n-p
1: and while you're checking out our social media be sure to look for links for the google form survey to claim yourself a free sticker of the no normal people podcast artwork or you can head to the homepage page of www.nonormalpeople.com
0: Hey there, my name is Dixie Lee, and I am the host of Author's Intent. As a movie addict and book enthusiast, I both love and hate the decisions some directors make in book adaptations. Join me as we go through the best books this world has to offer as we dive into what the author intended. We'll talk about the things that were done well, as well as some of the major faux pas in some of the most beloved stories season one episode one we will be diving into the wonderful world of harry potter starting of course with the Sorcerer's stone you can follow this podcast on instagram at authors intent and a special thanks to louis zong for the use of his song melody meadows off of his album levels
1: I'm looking at your Twitter bio and I'm seeing a crazy amount of acronyms. Oh, I should probably switch
2: that up. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, it's highlighting your involvement, your deep involvement in so many different aspects of this world. So we have steam outreach. We already talked about the MSGC affiliate, uh, Mm -hmm. NASA social. Uh, Let's talk about how you became a NASA intern and what you did during your time there,
2: yeah. So summer of twenty seventeen. So this was the summer after my internship building a small sat with the Montana Space Grant Consortium. There was several people who were very instrumental in saying, "Hey, you know, you should just apply for a NASA internship." And part of me really didn't think that I would be able to ever have an opportunity like this. And um, but I went ahead and I applied. And I got into an internship at Kennedy Space Center, Florida. And with them, I was on the veggie team. And what the veggie team does is they research lots of different plants and many different ways to grow plants in zero gravity to supplement astronauts' food in space. That was just absolutely amazing. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So like I'm computer science and I'm chemistry. And so I was kind of like thinking like, wow, why did they pick me? And well, in my bio, I forgot my mom, she's a county horticulturist. And I forgot that I had wrote on there like, oh, growing up, I had planting plants my whole life and yada, yada. And so that just goes to show, you know, different experiences you have in your life can get you to places you never would have imagined.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that
2: wasn't even something I went to college for, you know, and that was just really amazing and instrumental. So in the Kennedy Space Center internship, I was looking at pollinating tomatoes and looking at different plants to possibly be sent and grown in space to supplement, like I said, astronauts' dietary needs in space. So every day I would go in and pollinate tomatoes with a little brush because in space there's no bees so you have to have your own you you know the astronauts be the bees yeah so I would go and do that in time like how long it would take me to do that just because astronauts time is very valuable and precious and then I would look at different things like the pH of the water, and because they were testing different kinds of slow release fertilizer and then different red, green, and blue RGB LED light kind of recipes. Wow. <laughs> for lack of a better term, because there's no sun on the International Space Station, so they have to simulate that, and they do that with RGB LEDs. And it's really amazing because the different amounts of red, green, and blue that you shine or put into a plant, you can make different characteristics more prominent. So you can make a plant grow taller. You can make it taste slightly differently. You can accent different nutrients that are inside of the plant all just by changing the different amounts of red, green, and blue that you shine on them, which is kind of crazy. But I was... yep pollinating tomatoes all the time. And then when I wasn't doing that, I was researching like hundreds of different plants that would be beneficial to grow and to be eaten up there. So they had to be, of course, small because space is a restraint (laughs) up there. And you want them to taste good and have a prominent taste because astronauts are just floating around. So their body kind of equalizes with fluids. And that means it kind of gathers in their kind of nasal areas, which kind of inhibits them from tasting food as good as they would say on Earth.
1: No. Because um, gravity's pulling all that
2: fluid down. Wow. So you want like yeah, food or plants to have a good taste to them. And it had to have good nutrients because you want to have good, strong, healthy astronauts. And yeah. going through that and narrowing it down, I narrowed it down to a few plants and actually a couple of them have been flown on the ISS. One is dragoon lettuce, and the other one is extra dwarf pak choi. And I think wow. e- extra dwarf pak choy was the, the main hitter.
1: So the tomatoes didn't make it.
2: So flowering plants are kind of a step further because oh. pollen, how do you keep it contained? You know, astronauts might yeah. have allergies. And once something is on the International Space Station, it's up there because they don't you can't just spray water, or alcohol, you know, and clean things down. Yeah. Water all coagulates into a ball or whatnot. So you can't really clean everything up there. For example, like the space zinnias that were grown up there that astronaut Scott Kelly was so famous for taking pictures of. I believe they got a fungus up there. And now Spacenias can never grow there again because they will just continually get that fungus because it's just up there now. Oh, geez. So there's a lot that surrounds going into plants up there. Wow. And tomatoes, I know they would absolutely love to have tomatoes up there, but that'll probably be in further steps. I know they're really looking into peppers too. Right now, so
1: see, yeah. If if I was an astronaut, tomatoes and peppers would be on the top of my list. Those are my favorite veggies.
2: <laughs> oh, very nice! Plus, you should be an astronaut. <laughs> I mean,
1: get some extra vitamin C out of out of all those. What did you think about Matt Damon growing potatoes in Martian soil?
2: I thought that was amazing, and that was actually <laughs> a huge. Talk being part of the veggie program.
1: Yeah, I bet.
2: Yeah, there was one guy, and it's like, oh, if we can get potatoes, you know, they're starchy, they're hardy, we can like grow anything then. So right.
1: uh,
2: <laughs> that's definitely a conversation. And we actually had a huge movie day where we sat and watched The Martian and kind of dissected it, which was just really amazing with, you know, NASA scientists oh, who are like our my. leaders. Yeah, that was fabulous. But I, I really like the idea of potatoes, and I think it could go far. <laughs>
1: That's so, I think between potatoes and onions, you'd have a, a lot of oh, yeah. good luck with those root vegetables. Good, good Definitely. stuff. Okay. I want to keep working my way through your Twitter bio here. Owens Fellowship. What, what is that?
2: <laughs> so I shortened the name there, um, but that is short for the Brooke Owens Fellowship. Right. Yep. So summer of 2018, I had applied to two different kind of internships. One was with the Department of Energy, for Los Alamos National Lab and the other one was for the Burke Owens Fellowship. I had really wanted to explore my chemistry degree. So that was what Los Alamos National Lab would have been doing. And I had been preliminarily accepted into that program. And then I got the call for the Brooke Owens Fellowship. And I was like, you know what? I just got to do this. This is going to be so amazing and create up such a network within the space community. I'm like, I can't, I can't turn this down. So I accepted the Brooke Owens Fellowship. And within that... It's for 40, I should say, undergraduate women that are involved in the aero or space fields, which can be in any amount. They can be like cinematographers that are interested in space or journalists or, you know, mechanical engineers. And so it's just really amazing. And so 40 undergraduate women across the US, they pick and they will provide for them a industry mentor. They will provide for them a summit where all the girls gather together, and you can hear from. They have astronauts as panelists, and you get together and you can ask questions, and then you build teams and you create different solutions to problems together. And then also they connect you with an internship. And so wow. uh, my internship that summer was with a government contractor writing software for kind of like a it was like a machine learning sort of a thing for natural language processing. And <laughs> so that was really amazing and instrumental. And the Brooke Owens Fellowship, I'm still very involved to this day with them. Just the amount of amazing women that I now know that are across the US, just absolutely slaying it in so many different fields. It's it's astounding. My mentor was astronaut Scott Perazinski, who has the most amazing life ever. I was just so honored to be able to talk with him. So the Brooke Owens Fellowship has been really kind of a game changer in launching my career as well.
1: (laughs) Gosh, that's so good. Okay. I want to talk about your, your current career, but first I want to finish up this Twitter bio and talk about being a JPL SSA, which I think is the solar system advocate. Yes. Yeah. It's the solar
2: system Ambassador. ambassador.
1: Okay. So, yeah, let's talk about how you got involved in this.
2: JPL SSA, so Jet Propulsion Laboratory Solar System Ambassador. It is a another NASA education program that is based out of JPL. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they will give you just tons and tons of information on current things and past things that have gone in NASA, in the space industry, everything about geography on planets to supernovas to why the internal American space race is how it is. So they give you a lot of information and kind of teach you. And then what you do from there is... In your community, you can set up different things to spread the word. Yeah. So, just using the knowledge that they gave you, you can set up a star night or something and then, you know, help educate people in your community, which I just completely love doing that. And it's wonderful. Yeah. So, that's kind of another little facet that I really enjoy Jeez. doing and being a part of.
1: Yeah. So, this is very much leaning into your desire to help the awareness and the education spread, especially to. Areas like where you grew up.
2: Yes, definitely.
1: (sighs) So good. We've talked about space quite a bit. We talked about your interest in travel before that. I want to talk about where you are right now. What have you been doing for work after college?
2: So in my internship in 2018, the company offered me a full-time job to come back and it was amazing how flexible they were, because obviously between that internship and the time when I started, I yes. um, went to Asia, yep. I did all these things. But I came back and by the time I had come back, they had merged into a bigger company. Um Because there was a bunch of like sister companies that all came together and merged one bigger company. So I came back under this bigger company and I work for Maxar currently, which, and they have kind of two different, I'm going to say divisions for lack of a better term. Sure. One is definitely space focused and the other one is earth focused. On the space-focused side, they're doing a lot of amazing things for, they've got contracts from NASA to build different hardware, building satellites, really cool stuff. And I personally am on the more Earth-focused side, so they have kind of a legion of satellites that are up there that take really impressive photos of the Earth. Through that, we're able to do many different things. One of those things is supporting the government. Other things are relief efforts. So like if an area is devastated by like a tsunami or a hurricane, we take pictures of the earth and we can say, hey, you can land a helicopter here or um, a boat can come in this way or things like that.
1: Wow. The pictures are that detailed.
2: We've got some amazing technology.
1: That's wild.
2: And yeah, it's really, I'm really happy working from them. They've got so many amazing projects going on. And so right now I'm just currently writing software, supporting the government and enjoying that.
1: Oh, okay. So now you're doing a lot of the computer science degree, writing software for them.
2: So yeah, we're kind of like the summer of 2018. It was kind of a decision like, do I, you know, Brooke Owens Fellowship, I know I'd be doing more computer science where if I like did the department of energy, it would be more chemistry. And so I definitely followed that computer science path. And so that's kind of what I'm doing right now and I'm learning a lot of different facets in that what I do like and what I don't like. Okay. For example, I really enjoy looking at like the overarching aspect of a project. I like looking at it from start to finish. I really like the architectural side of that. Oh, and then yeah. what I don't like is, oh, we need to do this little small specific bug fix. We're assigning it to you. And I'm just kind of like, meh, you know, over there coding, you know? So oh. I think that's led me more to want to go into systems engineering because I really want to get my master's. And for a long time, I was just kind of struggling. Like, what do I do? Do I go more space? Do I go more broad? Yeah. Whatever I want to do, ultimately, I want to apply that towards a space career. Right now, I think it is is an amazing learning stepping stone. And eventually, I would love to go more space exploration oriented. But I'm definitely happy where I am right now. And I think all of this has just been um, really instrumental in showing me that systems engineering, I think, is where I want to head. I was kind of involved with DevOps for a while. So that's kind of like setting up systems for programmers to use. So different pipelines that could be ran simultaneously so you can like automatically test software or whatnot. Okay. And then definitely working together with other programmers to make sure that what you're doing is lining up with what they're doing. And then also with that, a lot of documentation as well. I've kind of expressed that I kind of want to go more systems engineering. And so just where I can take on different kinds of tasks to go more in that path. So like tasking and just looking at big picture things and documentation, that sort of thing.
1: Do you have any favorite languages that you like to write in?
2: So I learned in Java and I thought Java was going to be my favorite language forever, okay. but it turns out I really enjoy Python. I just kind of like the flexibility of it. It's slightly Less structured, a functional programming language. I really enjoy that. Whereas Java, there's some more strict rules and you have to specifically, you know, declare types and always have to put that semicolon. And the amount of times things don't compile because of the semicolon is astronomical. And that just frustrates me now. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I um, can relate. yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's to me, like, I've only gotten into the level before basic in all these languages like just just trying to learn syntax between the different languages that i've been introduced to is just what it doesn't help that my first experience with coding anything was with an introduction to mathematica class at rocky
2: oh oh yeah with ulrich
1: yeah that oh
2: yeah that class
1: (laughs) just i feel like i've been ruined on coding because of that class
2: I that completely understand. Wolf- it's a powerful, powerful tool, but Mathematica <sighs> is not everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and the language that Wolfram put together is just like this hybridized bastardization of like three or four different languages. And yep, uh, I hundred percent agree. It's, it's it's caused me to get rather confused anytime I go to work on a pure language like like C sharp or Python or Java. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's well, if you've
2: you experienced the worst, it's all uphill from now. So <laughs> okay,
1: okay, this is fair. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. This has been a fantastic conversation so far. We've talked about space quite a bit, and we mentioned that you and I grew up in the same church that we went to the same youth group. I'm curious to ask. Now that we've talked so many technicalities and so many just neat moments in your life, I'm curious to know. How would you describe your spiritual life today compared to your childhoods?
2: Awesome. Well, growing up, I grew up in a Christian home, which was just absolutely amazing and instilling and kind of grounding, setting it like a ground base for my faith. Yeah. And then going from there, high school and in college, just kind of questioning things a lot, kind of falling away, falling closer, just a lot of different things. And also in that, um, just kind of like a lot of the conflictingness about being in science and then also being a Christian. Yeah, I never had really doubted it, but there was a lot of searching that I had to do myself to kind of build up and understand my faith more and kind of prove it to myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. My parents, of course, grew up in a different time and so asking them questions didn't really lead to a lot of answers and so I would hunt down and ask questions where I could. A lot of it, I just had to kind of go out and search and like learn for myself. And I think right now I'm at a place where I'm stronger than I've ever been spiritually and I think that's just come from like a lot of different challenges that I've had it sounds like, you know, all this has been really amazing, but with every, with all the positives, there are some negatives and strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, there's that dichotomy there.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm curious, pardon the pun, if any of your beliefs that you grew up with have evolved, the deeper you get into chemistry, physics, uh, you were doing some biology work with these plants, you know, you're studying space, have, have any of your beliefs, Evolved as you got deeper into science.
2: Um, so I think it's not necessarily. Maybe it's not that they've evolved, but that they've kind of devolved. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Sure. But um, let me explain that. So I have always, you know, grown up six seven day creation. Yeah. That is something, you know, even the Bible is sort of unclear on. Uh-huh. For example, in Hebrew, when they use the word days, they don't use... Like, there's several different Hebrew words for days. And the Hebrew word they do use is kind of gray. It could mean, like, a specific 24-hour day or, like, a really long period of yeah, time.
1: It's more like an um, epoch.
2: Yeah. So, you're like, oh, goodness. Like, so, it's not specific. And it's like, oh, gosh. It's, so, it's not that... I do like the idea of a six day creation, but nobody's ever going to know that. We're not going to (laughs) know. That's just like the deal of it. And so I have been challenged by people who come up to me and try to argue with my faith based off evolution versus creationism. And so I have to sit and I have to say to them, like, (laughs) this, this isn't, you know, the matter of it all. I'm like, Nobody's going to know. Right. And we can sit and have this conversation, but really no one, nobody was there. So nobody's going to know. And two, you know, my faith believing in creation versus evolution is not what brings you to a saving grace. Oh, that's like a completely different thing.
1: That's so, so important to, say, to highlight. I'm like, yeah, if
2: You want to have this conversation, we can have it, but you can't be challenging my faith with it because that's not something that will disprove my faith, you know?
1: Oh, Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's a really good thing to highlight. I yeah, I appreciate that a lot. I remember being in honors biology together in high school and (laughs) we we started getting into the evolution chapters and I had read Darwin separately because I was getting ready for the class because I was all into apologetics and argue. I thought I was going to be like the crusader that was able to beat down our biology teacher in the middle of <laughs> I think class
2: we all thought that, yeah.
1: <laughs> like beat her down with all these perfectly reasoned uh, arguments and uh man no that was such a different phase of my life i think studying the bible e- even the way you have mentioning you know the nuances of the hebrew language and you know interpretation through the ages of a piece of writing like that my Thoughts have definitely evolved, and and part of me feels the the desire just to go back to that biology teacher and be like, I'm sorry, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was I was <laughs> I was 15, and I'm sure you get this a lot being a uh, a biology teacher in the middle of rural Montana. Definitely, it yes. was interesting. She was
2: just such a cool person. So props to her for putting up with us. <laughs> I know she
1: she took it well, and then I ended up being her TA for two years, and we were excellent friends. I think for me, where it all started changing was I started looking into what's called process theology or open theism. And essentially that's, that's an argument that the way God set up the universe, he actually wrote himself out of the decision-making power a bit. There's a book by Thomas Ord called God Can't. And it actually talks about the things that God has specifically given up Two humans as the image of God, you know, as we're told in Genesis, we're the image of God. So he he gives us authority over the world. And in that way, he actually constrains himself. So issues with people, you know, saying how can evil exist when God exists and he's all good? Well, it's because he may have given us the authority of bringing his kingdom to earth and letting good flourish on the earth. So when we neglect that responsibility, then evil shows up. And if we don't do a good job, you know, evil is going to continue. So yeah, I don't need to get into open theism, but where it started for me was the realization that God would intentionally relinquish some sovereignty to preserve the dignity of our free will, which I certainly believe in. And uh, mm-hmm. so when I got there, I remembered all the arguments that I'd heard from six day, like young earth creationists saying, uh, these galaxies that we're seeing from the hubble space telescope are millions of light years away but the the whole universe is only six thousand years old so god must have sped up light for a time so that we'd be seeing it now getting into all these arguments and i i just started thinking like well i don't know if i believe that god could do that if he wanted to i it sure seems like the speed of light is set as a constant and we haven't been able to break that constant in a while so if god can't do that then that might mean that the earth is older and that then might mean that something like evolution i guess the technical term would be theistic evolution like i don't think mm-hmm. the big bang was random i think it was begun by who i consider to be god and i believe that god has always been like jesus and we haven't always known that he was like jesus but
2: I like that yeah
1: i believe that god started this whole thing but i believe that he allowed evolution to be the beautiful way in which life unfolded and that it was kind of under his tutelage or her, his direction, but he allowed as we got closer and closer to, I guess, consciousness is what we would define as the difference between humans and, and other species, though that can be argued with dogs obviously having emotions and apes obviously understanding sign language and whatnot. So I I don't know. It's it's been wild. But considering where we grew up and the the kind of church we were at and who we were trying to be by arguing our biology teachers, I, I find it an endlessly fascinating question to ask the people I grew up with, like where they are now. So.
2: Definitely, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I think it is important, you know, all of life, whether, you know, it is your religion or, you know, your political affiliation or mm. whatnot, always ask questions, always dig in further, really, you know, get to the root of it and ask why <laughs> kind of a thing.
1: It's an yeah. attitude of curiosity that's so important in the way we relate to each other. I heard recently Definitely. that the act of listening is entering a conversation with the expectation that your mind will be slowly changed
2: i like that oh i really like that
1: so <laughs> thank you for letting oh. me go into uh in, into my side of that that started with a question question for you and we great. we went yes. back and forth no, i loved it thank
2: you for sharing yeah i appreciate that
1: this has been fantastic i'm so glad you could be on our podcast again like i mentioned in one of our recent live shows people like you who get to do all these things you've been doing with NASA and with space and everything you got to do through school with traveling and all your internships, like people like you are why I wanted this podcast because you know, we, we grew up in Laurel, Montana and yet some of us are now in Virginia writing code for government (laughs) contracts that, that work on satellites and you've had stuff that go get launched With SpaceX. And I I just love (laughs) that we all have these directions in our lives. And some of us have just crazy cool stories like you. So thank you. thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the podcast to wind us down. I'm curious to ask what you are currently reading, whether it be fiction or nonfiction.
2: So currently I'm reading two different books. I kind of, I start reading and then I set it down and I start something else. That's just kind of what happens to me. Yep. So I'm reading Tracks by Robin Davidson. So that's about, she trains camels and then taking them on a journey across the Australian outback. And then the second book I'm reading is The Proximity Principle by Ken Coleman, That's kind of about realizing different people in your life and how being in proximity to them can benefit you and get you to where you wanna be in
1: life. What are you currently listening to? What do you like listening to for music like when you open Spotify and what podcasts do you like?
2: For music, it's currently on rotate between Tane and Paula. It's either Benet or Benny. I don't know, she's an upcoming um, Australian artist. Okay. Who's, who's kind of poppy and then um <laughs> currently Fleet Foxes as well. So I'm kind oh, of well, alternating yeah. between those three. Nice. You know, and then for a podcast, I love Houston. We have a podcast. It is all about space, different space things. There's a different topic. Oh. I think they come out with it each week or maybe it's bi-weekly, but all different things from the different astronaut classes to like different specific things that happen in space. So there's one like all about your body in space. And then there's one about like food in space. And they have a crazy amount of episodes that contain just a wealth of knowledge in them all about space. And that's um, based out of the Johnson Space Center in Texas. And Whoa, I just so absolutely cool. love it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Ayla, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've enjoyed myself tremendously.
2: Thank you. I've really enjoyed this too.
1: <laughs> I'm glad. Will you read our favorite quote for the podcast?
2: The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well.
1: going into space space and we're gonna gonna learn about about space.
0: space